our latest episode of Alien Nation, the podcast that brings you tales from the rock and roll underworld, features Andy Hughes from Deathwave Entertainment, Merseyside promoter, who amongst other things brings you metal to the masses Merseyside. I'm here with Andy from Deathwave. Andy, how are you? I am good, sir. Yourself? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. So look, we're um, we're new to each other. Um, we met, but but days ago at the one of the heats for um, M two M two. Well, how do we pronounce it? What do we call it? M two M. It's metal to the masses, which of course is it's quite a mouthful. So M two M two M is what mo- we we normally shorten it to. Right. Yeah. And um and yeah. from a we're all aliens point of view, it's very interesting because it was your first time over the water. Well, not my first time in my life, but like first you time know, doing a gig, like you know, yeah, like, so it was a bit yeah. of an experience for me. And like, I, I was, yeah, yeah, and um and your Molly's Chambers, really hot night. It had it had it had pleasing Wayne's World vibes about it. I don't know about you. Oh, see, I I just get that everywhere I go, but that's just like my you know. I try and live the rock and roll life, and you never, and you didn't have to, be, you didn't have to book the shitty Beatles to do it. No. <laughs> and what were the Beatles like? Oh, you know, shitty. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, so, how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been doing, I've been around the event scene in one form or another. Uh, most of my adult life, and I'm, I'm getting on a bit now. Like I'm, I'm like forty one, which is horrifying. Yeah. But like um your butter pumps, uh butter pumps. <laughs> you know, working working bars, doing doors, stuff like that. I wasn't actively part of the event, but I was there and I got to see, you know, I, and then I um I don't know if you remember Sally used to run a whiplash okay. back in the day. Um I, I was a regular at her gigs and stuff and I got got to know most of the bands, got to know her and I started helping her out with just like doing a door and stuff like that and just little things. Um and then I potted I potted around for a, a good time, you know, good few years. Mostly it was me just I go to any anything any band was performing, just you know, there's a band on site, yes, I'm there, you know. Uh you know, four or five nights a week, some some weeks. I'd be going to gigs, local gigs, Manchester, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a bit of a... I'll say a coalescence of several factors um, over the course of about six or seven months, um, maybe late, late 2010. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Sal, had, she hadn't announced it at this point because I did used to do bit for her and she kind of started saying to the team, uh, you know, I mean, uh, my health's not great. Uh, so I'm thinking about like knocking it in the head kind of thing. I love doing it, but this plus a full-time job and all the rest of it, like, yeah. Um, also, like, I'd, um, I'd I'd been to, I'd, of all things, I went to see Machine Ed, I think it was. Okay. It, was either, it was either Machine Ed or Faith, actually. I can't remember which. There was lots of alcohol involved. But I remember um, not long after Salad said that she was thinking about retiring, and then I'd, I'd gone to this gig in Manchester. I'd Paid a you know paid me me train for um I bought me ticket bought me booze missed me train missed me train home st- ended up stranded in my, in a in my pickle station 
uh, until I had to buy another ticket for the one, you know, the first one in the morning. I got told off by the, like, the, I can't remember if they were police or security or whatever, boosted me out and had to wander around. And this was about November. It was freezing and all that. And I was like, you know what? I, I love got this. Why the fuck do I do this to myself? I've spent, I've spent a small fortune and I'm right now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty feel pretty feeling pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I ain't coming to Manchester. You're fucking man. Any man are listening, ignore that, but you know. <laughs> but you know. Well, you, uh, well, well to be fair, to be fair, Andy, I, I I should imagine that any um Mancunian who's ever been stuck at a Liverpool gig, vice versa, probably feels the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're a pretty collective community in the rock and metal scene. But those things go out of the window on a cold November night. Oh, it's yeah. It's funny. I wonder how many um, gig-going uh, punters have been in that very situation. I know, I mean, to digress, just to come back, just to digress briefly, I can tell you a very, very similar story. Um, going to, do you know when, you're probably too young to remember when Living Colour first broke. Living Colour, I was a big band for me growing up, Living Colour. Yeah. Um, and... They when they when they started becoming a headline act. I mean, I saw Living Colour support Anthrax, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I support. I think I'm pretty sure I support saw them supporting the Stones. But then I saw them on Oxford Road at the yeah. old Manchester Uni. Yeah, and I was still in sixth form at this time. You know, I was a, I was a butter pup, um, and I we thought we got the right train right, but it turned yeah. out that it was the postal train. Oh right, and we, and we rolled into we rolled into um we rolled into Lime Street at about four in the morning. My mum was furious. Right, right, and we were neither here. We was we're neither Arthur nor Martha. We might as yeah. well have missed the train completely for all it for all. Yeah. The do you know what I mean? Anyway, pick up the story. So there you are. So anyway, so yeah, I there uh, I had this. Not the first time it happened, but I said it with it being like a cold November and it snowed and everything. I was just like, oh, this is just, I'm not happy. And then um, I'd also seen a band a few weeks later, uh, me and the girl I was dating went to see um, this band called This Is Turin, who were still knocking around. Um, I remember it was me, my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and about four people, and they put on one of the most devastating live performances I have ever seen. To like it's six in the people. way, isn't it? And I was just like, you know what? This band deserves somebody to stand up there and scream their name because they have just ripped my face off. And it felt like they were—they literally walked up to me and ripped my face off because I was the only fucking person there to to, to have their face ripped off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we need to do something about this. And then. And then just like just after Christmas, I literally lying in bed about two o'clock in the morning, and I actually poked the, the girlfriend and I said, "Do you know what? I've got this really stupid idea?" And she's like, "Well, you know, half asleep." Said, "I'm going to start me a promotions company." And she's like, "Should have gone to sleep." I'm like, "No, I got up. I got up about. I said, lay there, could think about a couple more hours. Got up." And about four o'clock in the morning, logged in, bought a domain name and all sorts and stuff like that. And I said, just from a coalescence of several things swishing round over over yeah. a couple of months in my head. And I thought, you know what, yeah, someone needs to do this. Um with Sal retiring, yeah. So so that was twenty that was about twenty ten. About twenty early 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 twenty eleven I actually 
like set it up kind of thing. So, so there's 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 a real legacy thing here, isn't there? Because you you picked up the baton in one sense because Sal was Sal was retiring, but it was yeah. but it was almost um, a, a sort of a um, a forced insistence. Because yeah. you'd had you'd you'd had a kind of a um, an intervention had taken place, hadn't it? That yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 need to see this band, you know, um, do something better than see five 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 people getting a face made a face melting gig, but also yeah. being stuck in Manchester. So there was kind of a three pronged attack on that. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. But there was but for you, there was no like a band background or anything like that. No, no, no. It was just, just a it, was, it was just the fact that with Sal, I said, with Sal retiring and with, I said, being fed up, uh, why, why, why did Manchester get all the gigs? And like the only person I know who, who does good metal gigs in Liverpool is going to stop. Yeah. And then I said, there was this band and I was like, do you know what? Yeah, it, somebody. I didn't, not the term picking up a baton, but like in hindsight, yeah, that is, I think, I've, you know, that's pretty much what I did. But it was kind of like, no, somebody, I, we can't let this, it's, the scene's nowhere near as strong as Manchester in that regard already. We can't let it die completely. It so, just can't, I can't hmm. allow it. So let's just talk about the scene for a minute. Uh, I mean, I know we're going we're gonna to jump all over the place, I'm sure, in this conversation, yeah. but, but the the scene... In, in in Merseyside, I mean, I've had a conversation with Ned Hassan about about metal on Merseyside and and that 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 stuff, and and obviously, I, I it goes back a long a long way the metal the the, the rock and metal scene. In, oh, it in, does, in, yeah. But but you're very much a kind of a I think quite a pivotal figure in that period, as you've just said. So so post twenty ten, um. Do you do you think that the 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 scene has been quite linear in that time frame, or do you think it's gone in peaks and troughs? I mean, I wonder what, what whether or not, and um, and as I as I develop the podcast, I I wonder whether I'm going to um hear more stories about the troughs as much as the peaks. The the, the that very period before you started um, Death Wave was the new metal scene, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was a yeah. there was a big there was a big sort of momentum built from that. Yeah. Like what that, that so so do, do you see it as as a as a kind of a nice sort of steady steady thing that that that, that maintains its own momentum or do you see the big the big kind of peaks and troughs? What what what's your view on that that is a it's a weird thing uh because the answer is both because it depends what context you're talking about. Because I said, I've, I'm what I call a lifer. You're probably a lifer. Um, and I said, going back to the new metal thing and that, I, well, I know like what Ned, you were saying about Ned. Um, I don't know. I know when we, you, I don't know if your show, you said you'd record an interview with, yeah, with Ned. Interview I, with Ned yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's got, gone out. Yeah. I must have been, I haven't even looked. It hasn't but, gone out yet. No, but, did it as a it, pilot, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I think, you know, without digressing too much, what, what um, I, I, I want to speak to Ned about, about, what's happened with the launch of the archive because i think there might be more to tell about that so it might be kind of a condensed thing you know so i haven't really yeah. i'm sort of sitting on it before i speak to ned but sorry anyway oh yeah oh no no but actually i was going to say because i i i met ned through doing my shows and 
uh, and stuff because he started coming to some of them and he was like, I, yo, I want to have a word with you. And I'm were like, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing a book about Liverpool's metal scene. I was like, oh yeah, great. And then he's, he, I know he, he, uh, he gave me a copy when it came out and it's fascinating. And Ooh. like, I, you know, uh, I, I really loved where the where he does like a deep dive all the way back to like the seventies. And the irony is, is he talks about a place called the Moonstone, right. um, in as a, one of the rock bars back in the day. And uh, ironically, my mum and dad uh, used to go drinking in the Moonstone before they were married, and obviously before I was a twinkle in anybody's eye. Yeah. Um, and there's like a cracking story about how um. My mum's got a, a big st- metal rod in her leg because they both, this is back when drink driving wasn't quite frowned on the way it is these days. And coming back from the Moonstone on my dad's motorcycle, uh, absolutely pissed as farts. Oh, uh, yeah. They had a spill and uh, smashed my mum's leg. And wow. of all things, they used, get this, they uh, used the insurance money to uh put the deposit on their first house. <laughs> no, which is the house I was born in I was born into. That's very rock and roll. So your parents yeah. were bikers? Oh yeah. Right. And so it so... was uh, I'm gonna let you and it was little little old me, about seven or eight years old, stealing my dad's records, which kind of set me off on the path I am now. Right. So this is something that always comes up, right. So 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 we kind of naturally, naturally got into the sort of the um, the how did you get into it? how did you get into rock music per se? So actually, yeah. in your case, it was your parents' record collection, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So we're talking uh, late seventies, early eighties. Um, well, 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 I was. We're talking. Yeah, mid eighties. Mid eighties. Uh, okay, so uh, what? So, so what does that record collection look like at that time? What were the, what were the things that were you pilfering out, and not uh, and not putting back in the plastic sleeves in the alphabetical order? <laughs> I, I think I threw away some of them plastic sleeves away, which I'm sure I got told off for. Okay. But um, uh, it was stuff like um, there was a couple of Judas Priest ones, okay. not the whole thing, just a couple. There was. Um, Lots of Alice Cooper, lots of Queen, bit of Led Zeppelin. Um, think there was a a um, a, a Motorhead one, and then there was also stuff like uh, like the really early super proggy Genesis and stuff like that. Right. Um, I said my dad was a lot of prog, and then some of the some of like the early uh, no proper heavy. Well, I'm fairly certain there was a Black Sabbath one as well. But it wasn't like Black Sabbath. I think it was one of the later ones. Yeah. But we've, we've never been able to find it. So it might have either my dad took it back and hid it so well we never we didn't find it, or I don't know if I broke it or something. I don't know. I said I was only a kid. And did you find your tribe at primary school or at secondary school in terms of like that? Like, um, I mean, we, we talk about amongst my friends, like this is something that comes up all the time. We had older brothers. Right. And they were all rockers. Right. So whilst I would, you know, I'm 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 more than happy to uh, share with you my devotion to Adam Ant. 
um, because he was like yeah. a big thing for me. But Adam Ant came from yeah. a, rock, a punk rock background. So yeah. and and those those churches all merge at some point. I mean, if you talk do, to, yeah. if you talk to um, uh, you know, I I I, I know um, Paul Gray from the Damned. Yeah. And Paul Paul um, plays bass in the Damned. And when he goes to America. Um, th- th- they're considered a rock band. They're not considered a punk band. There's no, there's no differentiate. Oh. There's no differentiation. Laurent in our band has just been to um, Hellfest because he's from yeah. France. From France and uh, Generation Sex are on the bill, you know, with with the extreme sound and all of that stuff. So I think, I think where we find our interest in, you know, hard rock and metal, it, 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 I, I, I always think that. There's there's something that lights the spark, and in your case, it it was your parents. In my case, it was my my, my older brother. And then we 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 sort of find our way and you know meet like minded people. So your tribe, uh, I'm assuming it, it, that that would have been developed at school, secondary school. No, no, I was mine was quite bizarre because my I I went to Royal Green in 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 Liverpool, which is well, when I was in secondary school. Uh, Tupac and oh, okay. Dog and all that, all the yeah. the, the tail the tail the hip hop and the like all the the hard, hard house and all the trance and stuff were like at their peak of their game. We're talking. I said, you know, I was in secondary school ninety two to ninety eight, which is as basically at that point that is like Nirvana and stuff. They were the big. That was the tail end of the big rock, and that didn't do it for me whatsoever. So you were in grunge. No, I. I bypassed the grunge thing completely. So I kind of, I, I discovered, I said, I jumped from my dad's records to, uh, um, of all, th- uh, I don't even, I, 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 I've developed a love of a couple of, like, kind of semi-random things. Like, uh, my dad didn't particularly, I don't remember my dad having any Aerosmith, but I, I acquired some Aerosmith song. I love that. But also yeah. Metallica. Metallica was absolutely massive for me yeah. uh, in my early teens and stuff but none of, no one in school was particularly into rock or metal um, I had a couple of friends who I'd literally known since I was like in junior school and I kind of coerced them into have some rock music, listen to this listen to this, um, we've all now grown up and we're all metalheads now but I definitely <laughs> pushed it on them kind of thing I mean, I think, um, about it. I think it's interesting what you're saying there because the you know you mentioned like techno and things like that that's quite an extreme music in itself it is yeah you know? and then and then um hip hop i mean i'm a I, I love hip hop and um but i i like old school hip hop um and i love i love where the trajectory of where of, of where it's gone but i was always most fascinated with the crossover between hip hop and rock um yeah. and and for me because i like funk as well and um, the, the 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 sort of crossroads between those three genres, um, funk, rock, and uh, hip hop, I think has been really, really interesting. I like I like groove, and I do think that you know, uh, um, I can hear a lot of hip hop influences in our band. Um, yeah. You know, even though you know, we're a melodic melodic rock band, but um, but uh, but it's interesting that you that that, that grunge wasn't for you. You know, no, I said I I kind of went from like a lot of the what these days would call like the uh, you know like the the cock rock or the ARR or whatever, um, like the hair I, metal, yeah, the hair metal and stuff. Not by not that I knew it was hair metal. It was just, oh, yeah, it was like rock or whatever. 
Uh, actually, I had major love for Meatloaf as well. Oh, yeah? Um, you ever see him play? Then, what? You ever see him play? No, Me- no, no, I never did. I saw, Meatloaf get, I saw Meatloaf get bottled off at the 88 Reading Festival. A legendary, uh, a legendary yeah. gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show my age there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, I I said, then Metallica, and then from there, I I dabbled a little bit with some of the some of the like thrash stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like like the bit of Slayer, and then maybe I want to say about ninety five, uh, I was stood in HMV in the the rock and metal section in town on Lord Street, yeah. uh, clutching my pocket money, thinking, what do I want to buy? And there was this album. We've had a cover that was completely unlike anything else. It was black with just, just this, this screaming face in white, and I couldn't even read the logo. Uh, and it turned out to be this little, 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 little known album called Transylvanian Hunger by this band called Mayhem. Right. And I, I bought it because it was, I was intrigued because I said the album was. The, the the artwork is completely unlike anything else in the section. The the song titles are like, well, what what's that going on about? Like, I need to listen, take this home and listen to it. It's not like this isn't the days where you'd have YouTube or whatever. Yeah, well, and it it literally blew me head off because it was that heavy and nasty, and I basically had to. It took me about three months of. Maybe once a week or so, I'd stick it stick it in my CD player, press play. I got a bit further, and I had to make myself because I knew it was it was unlike anything I'd ever listened to at that point. But I couldn't listen to it because it was that that heavy and that horrible. Do, do, um, you know, do you think? Do you think Andy just to come in there that um, people's? I mean, we know, we could talk a lot about people's listener tastes and streaming and all of those things, but there's something really. There's something really organic about what you what you've just described there, and I, I, I mean, and I think it's a beautiful thing, because you took a punt on 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 an album because of the artwork, essentially, right? Yeah. The look, the look and feel of it, right? It it resonated in you something which you probably couldn't have explained at the time. Maybe you've had more time to think about it since, but it was obviously the the, the thing that light 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 the touch paper. Of, of of essentially what you do now with Deathwave, yeah. But the I find that in the old days when you only had a certain amount of money to spend on music, and that was the only way you could tr- you could chance new things, you yeah. would invest your time in it. And yeah. admittedly, the heaviness of that particular record meant that you had to initiate yourself, and you could only do it in stages because it was such yeah. a such an extreme sounding record but when you're like now um a promoter on the scene um and you're you're trying to assemble bills and things like that yeah the is that something that's that that that, that's still important to you the the look and feel of a brand the brand of the band yeah I I will sit down and I will I'll listen to bands uh you know as I I'll I'll uh, sort of I do which I don't I don't think many um promoters do which is kind of weird I'll sometimes I'll get an idea it's like like at the moment I've I've got one go, going out maybe on the weekend maybe tomorrow on uh what I'll 
do is I'll, I'll contact the venue and I'll, I'll normally book a few dates. And I'll say, right, that one, I, have, I want this, I want that. And I'll pick a genre kind of thing. And then I'll try to find myself a headliner. And then I'll build a lineup around that. But I'll quite often, I'll put a, a list out on social media and um, say, right, I've got this date, this date, this date, this date. Uh, this one, I want some blackmail. This one, I want some thrash. Mm, you know, I do it by genre. I don't necessarily announce who I've got as a headliner or something like that. Sometimes mm. I haven't even got one. I've just got, I want to do a thrash gig. Who, who do I know who's in thrash? Who, if I po- po- post this out, who's going to send me a message and say, we fancy it? And then it'll start a conversation and I can build a line up around that. But I said, what I do is once I've got my first band, yeah. I'll I'll contact someone. I'll, I'll, I'll think, even if it's bands I've had on before and I've listened to them, I'll sit there and listen to their material again with yeah. the view of thinking, who else will work with this? Who do I know? That's, what do I want to do with it? That's really interesting to me because um, our first guest was Lynn Hansen from um, SOS, and yeah. and they they have a very similar approach, but obviously it's different. I mean, we're talking about a festival, but yeah. but it's it's it, it sounds probably very highbrow and a little bit pretentious, but there is a there is an art of curation to what you do. Do you know what I mean? I, de- I definitely think so, yeah. And I actually wonder whether or not moving forward, there's there's probably an, a bit more of a need as we as we've we we sort of emerge out of COVID. And I, I, again, the COVID conversation comes up a lot about um, the recovery for the sector, for the scene, for live music in general, and all of those sort of things. Punters not not you know, and then of course the cost of living on top of it, um, yeah. but. We, I think maybe the future of um, of grassroots um, promotion and events is, is 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 people like yourself being a little bit, perhaps a bit, a little bit more bright and visible. When we met um, at Molly's Chambers at Metal to the Masses, uh, the Heat, um, I, yeah. I I knew who you were, right? Um, and I wonder whether or not that's going to be quite important because obviously, Deathwave and Andy are a badge of um, quality, aren't they? You know, people know that if they come to one of your gigs, they're going to get a certain thing. Obviously, they're going to get a certain type of type of show. I mean, I was quite interested in the diversity of the four bands that you put on. Obviously, one was a headliner, non-competing headliner. Yeah. But there were three other bands, and they weren't all ear bleeders, to be fair. You know, um, one was quite proggy. Um, the other one was kind of proto, sort of post post metal almost, weren't they? Uh, yeah, and then the other guys were quite uh, quite groovy, kind of like a little bit of thrash touches. I thought, I thought yeah. yeah. So when they're in competition, it's a bit different, isn't it? But what you're yeah. basically saying is that the um, you you'll put a night on and then you'll try and assemble the bands and and then and then there's a little bit of sleight of hand around the curation. I think. Yeah, it? yeah. Oh. I said I I t- I tend to like I've done you know some of the what I consider the best lines I've ever done is I've done things like I've had uh, I've started off with a, a like a, a quite. A quite mellow kind of doom band, and then I've I've had a heavy, heavier, more think Paradise Lost, My Dying Bride kind of doom death band, 
and then I've had a symphonic black metal band, and then I've had a a headliner, which was a full on old school black metal band, and it sounds like like four different genres, or right, it's two two genres with two subgenres from each. Big, yeah, yeah. but on paper, that's like that's a that's a full on mixed bill. But yeah. then it can just start off, and you do it it progressive. At the end of that, I had quite a few people say, you know, that was really good. That I really liked the way that it 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 progressed through yeah. the night and it went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I mean, you've had your moments though, Andy, haven't you? Where 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 you felt like it's a really been a really tough, tough slog. There's been moments in 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 the death wave journey where you've where you've gone, oh, yeah. Is this for uh, me? Oh, definitely, but admittedly. Um, it's one of those strange things. You no, know, like when going back to right the beginning, and you asked me about, uh, is the scene consistent or is it uh, up and down? Yeah. This is where, and I said, there's two different answers to that. This is kind of where I can kind of unintentionally we've circled right back down where I can I can explain that. Um, I said I've been in the scene pretty much my entire adult life and before then kind of thing um i've never i i basically when i was in, I said, in school all, all the other kids were like into the hip-hop or the house and the trans, uh, we didn't really have like a little subset of grunge and even if we did i wouldn't have been one of them anyway because i totally bypassed the grunge thing i i went from like uh you know your hair metal and stuff and then i leaped to after finding that album and learning how to listen to it, I went on this quest for the heaviest, nastiest thing I could find, which led me into all the extreme metal. By the time I was about 20, I, I was full-on death metal kind of thing. But um, I've also met lots of people. I started you know, going, started going to the crazy house every week and going to gigs, and the, the faces and the people have always been there. And... I said, I've got people I've met through the scene and I've known them for the entire 20 years I've been part of the scene. And I get glassy nobody... eyed when I hear the words crazy. Yeah. Back in the day when you learned to headbang properly because if you fell over, you'd land in a pile of broken glass. So that's how you learned to headbang and not fall over no matter how drunk you were. Absolutely. When Killing in the Name came on, and I'm talking about the, you know, not the Simon Cowell, yeah. uh, um, you know, attack on our senses, but when it first came out, it was like, wow. It was like, yeah. what is what is this? But it was like just just so, so evocative. And like, what what's next for Death Wave then? So you've got, you, you've got the, the, the final um, and... The the winners will go and play Bloodstock twenty three. Is that correct? Yes. Right. Okay. Um. What what what's the rest of the year look like for you? Um. I'm currently um starting to book out. I've got uh, the my aim is uh, last uh, in in post COVID. Obviously, COVID, uh, we, no one did anything. And then at, straight after COVID, I know like Bloodstock wanted me to do like a one day kind of like um like an all day flat fl fl yeah all day like flash fire metal to the masters thing and I, I declined i said i don't fancy doing that it's not something that kind of drives with how i want to run my events mm. but i didn't really do any death wave events and then last year i did the metal to the masters uh, and and then i did a few shows which all did quite well but i was also circling back to the other question is 
a lot of the factors on how Death Wave operates is external from Death Wave itself. A bit mm. like this cost of living thing. And the, most of the problems Death Wave's had over the years have always been tied to money. But, you know, it's my, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I never got into it to make money. Um, mm. It slowly got to the point prior to the pandemic where I had about two years, maybe, where it was generally breaking even. Right, so uh, watching its face. Just about. Yeah, it was washing its face after years of losing money kind of thing. Right. But I still did it because I love it. Um, it would even... I reckon if the pandemic hadn't happened, it would even be in the gen, quite genuinely talking of the territory of it would actually make, be making money because it was... You know, the, the the pendulum had swung that way. And I said, I've got... I'd got relatively good at what I'd, I'd been doing after after you know learning and all that uh, and the reputation but um I, but then it comes down to money so now that money is well, cost of living crisis uh, is a thing but um i myself have you know i have i had to change my career and stuff like that so i've got, got myself entrenched into my new career mm. uh you know sorting myself out and i've got money to put back into into doing death wave so at the moment i've booked uh from i'm, I'm taking i've got a show uh i've got the the final and then i've got a black metal show um late july and then yeah. i've taken august off uh and then uh, september is i've i've got a starting fairly early uh 2nd of september haven't haven't got a line up for that yet. That's something I'm going to put a post out for and say, see what I can do. I've got an idea, which I won't go into yet. Uh, and then I've got a couple of show, a couple of black metal shows and black death metal shows. I'm going to be doing a charity gig for the Greyhound Trust. But yeah, the aim what's is called? what's it called? Uh, f- uh, fast music for fast doggos. Love it, love it. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, but you know that's, no, that's the I'm idea. A, we we we're all dog dog love dog lovers in the uh, in the in the JJ house. Um, hey, I, have, I have two two cockapoos, or I like to call them rockapoos, called Sergeants and Pepper. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Well, I've got a, only got a border collie, but I did also have a, a, a greyhound who passed away last year. So oh. I want I want to adopt another one once I get the time, a bit more time at home and stuff like that. But actually, it was talking to the greyhound trust about the process of adopting another one, which I kind of like. Do you know what? I don't want to just rock up and say I'll have I'll have one of your dogs. It was like no, actually, these people are good people. Um, I'm gonna do something a bit more than just. To take you know, adopt one of their dogs. I'm also going to help them fund the next one as well, kind of that thing. Sounds, that sounds brilliant. That's, that's the last, idea. And one last thing, Andy. Um, I think we're going to have to have you on again because I think these stories could run and run. And, and I get the impression, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we 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 um, we might do the next one round 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 a, a, a table in a pub. Um, I don't mind that. You know, um, what 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 advice to bands because because at the end of the day you know there's there's, there's thousands of bands out there what are you looking for from a band to approach you what 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 do you want from your bands um see that's a hell of a question that uh basically i want you to i want you to Get in touch with me. Have a conversation with me rather than just send me send your send send your agent or your manager or just send me or the worst ones, just send me this random link. I'm mm. like, I don't know what that is, but have a conversation with me. Say, you know, we're looking for something. We are we are X. We play this kind of stuff. Um 
you know, have you got anything for us? And as I said, a lot of my lineups quite uh, develop quite organically. Sometimes I'll say, right now, nothing. I'll keep you in mind, and I've I've got a, a big database where to stick things in. Sometimes uh, I've had I've had it where I've literally someone will send me a message say, oh, we are such and such. And I was like, oh, I haven't got anything for you right now, but I'll keep it in mind. And like two days later, someone will message and say, oh, we're such and such. I'll have a listen. I'm like, come. I go back to this band who I listened to like two days ago. I was like, do you know what? There's a show there. I'll message them both back and say, right, I've got an idea. Here's it. I've got I, I've got a date here, or I'm going to go and try and get a date. I'll get back to you. And two days later, I've I've got the uh, the start of a show, and so they're the best kind of shows. So you're actually driven by the inspiration that's put 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 in front of you. You're you're yes. not looking for a certain band. You're looking for someone to sort of inspire you to build the bill. Yes, and it that's, what a great way of doing it. I don't know. It, it can be an absolute nightmare sometimes because it means sometimes yeah, it's like, mental. But don't know, but, don't know what I want to do with this show. But, but brilliantly, when, when it hits, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do with this. Show. And 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 where where normally when I mean, we met at Molly's, but where where normally what, what sort of venues are you working with um, on 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 the on the, the Merseyside scene? I've worked with lots of venues over the years. Um, unfortunately, I think. Venues is the biggest thing holding the Liverpool metal scene back a lot of time, um, because I've, I've found that a lot of the the venues are very oh, we're too posh for a uh, for that kind of music, or oh no, we might damage our reputation because like no, we we're like you know we're an indie indie club or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I always find it's a bit of an uphill battle sometimes getting them to to actually work with me in the first place. But once I get I get down there and I, I put a few shows on, uh, but I'm currently working with Nancy Bar. Which um, the staff in there are a lot of luminaries from used to work in the Crazy House, like uh, Brandon, their their man, their manager at the moment, uh, used to be one of the you know way way back. We're talking to the late early two thousand tens. Yeah, uh, he was one. He was one of the bar staff and one of the guys, the bottle the bottle boys um, in the Crazy House, wow. and. First time I met him, uh, I'd gone down. I was like, right, I want to do this. And I was like, I, I, he was like, I know you. And I was like, do you? Oh, is it in a good way? He was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You, you know, roaring around the crazy. I was, you know, absolutely rattled. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah don't know. Most people know me that way. But, you know, it's a small world. But... Well, myself and Rick, um, like our band, um, myself and Biff, um, we used to be in a, in a band called Fortuna. Yeah. And uh, we were like an indie rock band. Um, but our drummer, Simon, was one of the uh, house DJ was one of the in-house DJs at the Crazy House. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, back in the day, um, which is crazy. So, look, I think um, we're going to have to pick this up, com- this conversation again. Um, but, Andy, thank you so much for being part of the Alien Nation. Um Good luck with Death Wave and the next phase of everything. Um, and we'll we'll you know, thank you for for banging the drum and keeping things going. It's all about get, getting me out at shows and giving me an excuse to get drunk and listen, listen to loud shouty music, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers, man.